Well, we are certainly honored that you're here today. Man, this is great to see so many people here. We're grateful for your being here. Thankful that you have chosen to join us, um, whether you're here in person or those who are uh, online as well. So, so uh, he is risen. All right, third time. Y'all did great. All right. Well, it is Resurrection Sunday, and we're thrilled to be together today. And one of the things... Um, that I like to do every Resurrection Sunday is to read all four gospel accounts of what happened on that Sunday. Now, I don't want to assume anything, so when I say all four gospel accounts, in the Bible there's a New Testament and an Old Testament. In the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those are the gospels, the good news of Jesus. They're accounts of Jesus' life. And two of those were written by eyewitnesses that were Jesus' disciples. And two of those were written by someone who interviewed lots of people who were Jesus' disciples and, and got their account. So this morning we're going to do that, but we're going to do it in a, in a very special way this morning. Um, I've asked some special people to read, and uh, we're going to look at all four of those. And uh, Jonathan and Heather Powell, um, many of y'all may or may not know, have been in the Ukraine for the last 22 years serving there. Um, we've been supporting them since day one, and now Jonathan's on our staff. And uh, Maya and Sasha, they're all back here, thankfully, with us. But they're going to read um, Matthew's account in Russian for us this morning. And then uh, Gavin uh, Sane and Erica Miller um, both work with our young people here at Southwest. And... Uh, they are going to be going this summer to Chile and spend a couple of months there um, and mission work there, and we're excited. So they're going to be reading Mark's gospel in Spanish for us today. And then Will and Donna Snyder are two folks that have been with us a long, long time, too, doing translation work with the boy people. And uh, we are so grateful that they're going to read in Voy this um, uh, this morning for us. So I'm gonna, we're going to get that started. I'm going to ask Jonathan and Heather to come on up. And read Matthew's gospel for us. So we will be reading from the gospel according to Matthew, uh, chapter 28, starting with verse 1. По прошествии же субботы на рассвете первого дня недели пришла Мария Магдалина и другая Мария посмотреть гроб. Verse 2. И вот сделалось великое землетрясение, ибо ангел Господень, сошедший с небес, приступив, отвалил камень от двери гроба и сидел на нем. Verse 3. Вид его был как молния, и одежда его бела как снег. Verse 4. Устрашившись его, стерегущие пришли в трепет и стали, как мертвые. Verse 5. Ангел же, обратив речь к женщинам, сказал, Не бойтесь, ибо знаю, что вы ищете Иисуса распятого. Verse 6. Его нет здесь. Он воскрес, как сказал. Подойдите, посмотрите место, где лежал Господь. Verse 7. И пойдите скорее, скажите ученикам его, что он воскрес из мертвых, и преврает вас в Галее. Там его увидите. Verse 8. 
wo es gesal waren. Verse 8. Verse 10. Тогда говорит им Иисус, не бойтесь, пойдите, возвестите братьям моим, чтобы шли в Галею, и там они увидят меня. And we'll be reading the gospel according to Mark, Mark 16, starting with verse 1. El sábado al atredecir, cuando terminó el día de descanso, María Magdalena, Salomón y María, la madre de Santiago, fueron a comprar espacias para el entierro al fin de ungir el cuerpo de Jesús. Verse 2. El domingo por la mañana, muy temprano, justo al amanecer, fueron a la tumba. Verse 3. En el camino, se preguntaban unas a otras, ¿Quién nos Correra la piedra de la entrada de la tumba. Verse 4. Pero cuando llegaron, se fijaron y vieron que la piedra, que era muy grande, ya estaba corrida. Verse 5. Cuando entraron en la tumba, vieron a un joven vestido con un manto blanco, sentado al lado derecho. Las mujeres estaban asustadas. Pero el ángel les dijo, no se alarman. Oh, verse 6, my bad. Ustedes buscan a Jesús de Nazaret, el que fue crucificado. No está aquí, ha resucitado. Miren, miren, aquí es donde pusieron su cuerpo. Verse 7. Ahora vayan y cuénteles a sus discípulos, incluido Pedro, que Jesús va delante de ustedes a Galilea. Allí lo verán la, tal como les dijo antes de morir. Verse 8. Las mujeres descontardas oyeron temblado de la tumba y no dijeron nada a nadie porque estaban muy asustadas. We'll be reading, uh, we'll be reading Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, verse 1. Verse Vabo hore hao dong leo. Verse 5. Jong luk bak de di lao. Si so gui banam. Song bu wen de dieng hore no. O so wai goma yu jie wen dai la wen jo mo. Verse 6. Demi yu jie ni. Bogoban hao de dao jo be. O so o nan gai hao de yu jali li. De dieng ho so no ie de. De no. Verse 7. Lakwen bang ongai bowen vai 
ยิ่งสิ่งเดียวชูจะไปกุฏิตั้งวันตั้งสามดาวจบ Bolak bakte li wun ban modala malia, yoyana ha ma yako malia. Dinga bolak bak dung yu liang hode. Hode be no hao bo song hao yesude. Verse 11. Bo song hao yesude jai no hode duk luan no. Shi mi sin gai hao hode no de. Verse 12. Miguan Bida, she saw Lundo set bedang, gao gum, dear dang yesude. De gojo yo, bedo gum. Gadam you then guide bung day sue dang yesude. Yishi, de dao bay. Milo, guy so knee. Dear bundalo. All right, thank y'all so much for doing that. And I'm going to walk over here and put this over here. So we got to hear that, and now I'm going to read John's gospel in boring white man English. How about that? All right. So John says this in his account, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. And they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now, it's an amazing fact as we heard four different languages this morning. Now, we understood one clearly, but you could still read along. But think about it. All over the world this morning, people are celebrating the resurrection of Christ, aren't they? In their language, and in their culture, and in their time. They may not speak the same language we do. They may not have come to a building that looks like our building necessarily. And they may not wear the same kind of clothes as we do, but we all We all, all over the world, y'all, think about that. We're celebrating the same event that Jesus has come out of the grave just as he said he would. People throughout history have celebrated this special day because it gives us hope. It gives us hope. It holds hope that we so desperately need and want. And I want to say this this morning. I wish I had said it in the first service, but I didn't. But if you're here today and you have recently lost a loved one in the past year, this is a really special day for you. And I want you to know that the Lord is with you today, and He's reminding you that the grave is not the end. So please know that this morning. 
But we need reminders that death is not the end, that death does not have the last word. And we need that reminder because so much in our culture tells us to, uh, to avoid death. We attempt to prolong life here on earth constantly in all kinds of ways. All right, our camera went down. I'm just going to kind of just wait a minute, try to get things back on there. It's okay. These things happen. That's right. That's right. Um, so y'all, y'all let me know when you got it back up running. Are we good? Okay. No worries. These things happen. All right. So anyway, we live in this culture where we try to prolong our lives, don't we? I mean, think about all the commercials we see constantly about some pill or something that's going to make us live, live a little bit longer, right? We all have seen these, and some of us have bought them, okay? And we think they're going to work and make us live a little bit longer. So I don't know if you all know about this, but there's actually a website that's been around a while called deathclock.com. Have you ever heard of this? Okay, now, it's a real website, but if you try to go to it right now, I'm going to call you out. All right, so just hold off on that. You can do it after church, all right? But in this, this real website, you go to this website and you put in your date of birth, you put in your gender, and then you ask or you choose one of these four options as a normal, pessimistic, sadistic, or optimistic person. And then after you do that, you check one of these two, smoker or non-smoker. And then you put in your height and weight for your BMI or your body mass index. And then after you put all that information, you hit the button that says check your death clock button. I'm not making this up. It's really the best. So I did this, and I hit death clock button. And it tells me the exact day that I'm going to die and year, and it starts the countdown of the seconds I have left in my life. I'm not making this up. Okay, because I know some of y'all are going to go, is anybody noticing? Because he's right. That's, that's for real. So I did, y'all, and you're not going to believe this. So my date of death is December 25th, 2039. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I'm not kidding. So I was alarmed by that. So, of course, because I wanted to extend my life, I went back and I changed from normal to optimistic, because that would give me a few years, and I lied about my BMI so I could get more years, okay? Because I want to live longer, 2039, what in the heck? Well, it's sobering, and of course, we all, when we think about our death, we try to avoid it, don't we? But this is the one day, y'all, that we talk about death. We, we avoid it the rest of the year, except when we go to a funeral, and then we're forced at a funeral to think, man, that's going to be me one day. Where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? What is my eternity going to look like? But in reality, most of the time we try to prolong our lives. When we try to do that here on earth, it shows that we really, really don't understand that God has something better for our future eternity. A new heaven and a new earth that's not limited by this broken world, by sin. Have you all noticed the world is broken by our sin? And the old order of things, John tells us in the book of Revelation that the old order of things will pass one day. The emptiness we experience here will finally be fulfilled. All those things we try to find fulfillment for in this earth that we, we, we try and we go, man, that's not where it is. We're ultimately going to find that in heaven with God. 
but we can find that here and now too. That's why Jesus came. We will finally experience life as God always intended. And it'll still be a broken world, but when we become a follower of Christ, we recognize that we are on that path to really experience the way life always wanted us to experience. Over the past six weeks, we've been going through a series in our um, Sunday school classes, our student minister, our middle school, high school, and also in our adult classes called The Easter Experience. And through this series, we've been challenged to answer this question, what do I do with Jesus? What do I do with Jesus? The story of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And those who have been a part of watching this series have been challenged to watch Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection on video, kind of in a more cinematic way. And as they watched this, they were challenged that my life, because of Christ, does have purpose. My life, because of Christ, can change at any point in my life. Christ understands my pain in life. And my life has a plan. And I have the promise of eternal life. And I have a hope that never dies. So this morning we've read four accounts that tell us Jesus was not in that grave three days later, was he? All four accounts tell us that. And although we didn't read further in some of those accounts, all four of those accounts share that eyewitnesses saw Jesus dead and then they saw him alive again. Some of them actually saw him on the cross dead. Some of them actually saw him be put in that grave and they knew he was dead. There was no hope for so many of them. But it also says that later they saw him alive and they came and touched the nail prints in his hands and his feet and the spear that was punched, you know, stuck in his side. They felt that and they go, he's alive. They saw him eat. And the Bible says not only did the disciples, those who were closest to Jesus, see him again alive, but Acts tells us that over 500 people saw him resurrected again. Now today you either believe that and have put your hope in that truth through the faith, through your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, or you're here today and you're still trying to decide, is that real? Do I need to put my faith in that? And you may be asking, first of all, is it true? Is any of this even true? Will it change anything in my life if I put my faith in it? Will it make my life better? What's in it for me ultimately? Do I have to accept it today or will I have time to accept it later because I'm still thinking. I'm still kicking the can down the road trying to decide on this. But here's the reality, y'all. What we decide, what we decide about Jesus' life, death and resurrection determines where we will spend eternity. Did you hear that? What we decide about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection determines where we will spend eternity. And the reality is the way we live based on what we decide about Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection will decide how we spend eternity. It all matters. And ultimately, we have to make a decision about that. So this morning, have you considered, have I considered where and how you will spend eternity, how I will spend eternity. It's something that we must think about and what better day because this day reminds us that God desires for us to spend eternity forever with Him. Again, I've said this over and over the last few weeks. Jesus didn't just forgive us to say, okay, they're all forgiven, now get out of my hair, I never want to see you again. 
No, I want you to spend eternity with me. And so much so that he made that a real possibility through Jesus and what Jesus did. And it does involve us making a choice about what we do with what he did for us through Jesus. And here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with searching. There's nothing wrong with that. And sincerely wanting to know the truth, we should want to know the truth. We shouldn't blindly accept that without looking at the evidence. It's important to make that search and seek the truth with integrity. Kyle Adelman shares these transformed life stories about people who were skeptics. He talks about Lee Strobel, who was an award-winning journalist for the Chicago Tribune. And for most of his life, he was an atheist. But after his wife became a Christian, he started to see her life change. Positive changes in her life. And so after a few months, he decided... I'm going to go to church and check out what this lady's hearing, what my wife is hearing at this church. So he goes to church with her, partly because he was curious, but also mostly because he wanted to prove her faith wrong in Christ. So however, in that worship service that he was confronted for the first time with the claims of who Jesus was, and after that service he made a decision. He vowed to check out the Christian faith as a journalist, what he did for a living, And he would do that. He decided to examine the evidence and see for himself where he would come out on that. He began his search with a prayer, asking a God that he didn't even know if he believed in to reveal himself if he did, in fact, exist at all. And in that moment, Lee Strobel began a journey to answer life's ultimate question. And after two years of extensive research, Lee Strobel became a Christian and he wrote a book called The Case for Christ. Some of you may have read that. If you haven't, you can go ahead and pull out your phone and put that in your notes. I'm good with that because it's a great book. You ought to read it. And it comes from a skeptic's mind. Josh McDowell, some of y'all have heard of him. He was so annoyed in college by all his friends' attempts to evangelize him. So he decided that he was going to disprove Christianity. And he studied history. He flew to Israel and participated in archaeological digs. He did all kinds of research. Years later, he was fully convinced that Jesus was who he really said he was. And he became a Christian. And he wrote two volumes on the evidence that convinced him called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Viggo Olson, a surgeon who felt compelled to study the evidence for Christianity to try to disprove it to his (laughs) in-laws... That's kind of funny if you think about it. (laughs) After his research, he was firmly convinced and gave his life to Christ. And he wrote a book called The Agnostic Who Dared to Search. William Ramsey is considered probably the greatest archaeologist our country has ever known. He decided to disprove the reliability of Luke's gospel, the account of Jesus' life in the Bible. And he went to do archaeological digs to disprove certain unverified elements of the gospel of Luke. But in all that research and all those digs, his conclusion that now he considered Luke to be one of the most accurate and preeminent historian of all time. Simon Greenleaf was the professor emeritus of evidence at Harvard Law School. And he set out to disprove Christianity from a legal and evidential standpoint. And as he gathered the evidence to make his case, he too became convinced Jesus is the Son of God. He wrote a book called The Testimony of the Apostles. Stephen Massoud was raised strictly Muslim, but he wanted to know the truth for himself. So he studied the Muslim religion at length. He was never convinced that it was true. So he began studying Christianity, and finally he was convinced 
that Jesus was the Son of God. He became a Christian. And he was beaten and nearly killed by people in his hometown because of his change of his faith. But he stuck to it and he wrote a book called Into the Light. Ravi Maharab, a Hindu, had advanced in his religion to the degree that people believed he had nearly evolved to the point of nirvana. And when you are a Hindu, that's what the ultimate is, to reach nirvana. And people in his hometown worshipped him when he walked by. But he never knew for sure what he really believed that he was teaching was true. He could teach it all day, backwards and forwards, but he wasn't convinced in his heart that it was really true. So he set out to pursue the truth. And he was finally convinced. He became a Christian. And he wrote a book called Death of a Guru. Now there are certainly more stories of all kinds of people that I could share with you. You've heard of a lot of amazing stories where somebody was a skeptic and they certainly became a Christian. They were completely transformed. Yaroslav Pelikan, who was an American scholar on the history of Christianity, was known for saying this, If Christ is risen... Nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. Think about that for a minute. But what matters most today is your story. I've read all these stories or just a thumbnail sketch of these people and their story and how they became a Christian. But that doesn't really matter for you and your eternity, does it? Or for me and my eternity. What matters is what we believe about Jesus in our own life. So what will you do with Jesus? You've heard four accounts this morning of what happened that day. And if you're skeptical and searching, and please hear me say this, it is okay to be skeptical. It is okay to be searching. The Bible is full of people who were on that journey. From the Old Testament, prophets and people. From the New Testament, some of Jesus' own disciples. The Apostle Paul, I read about on our Good Friday, at our Good Friday service. He was a skeptic. And they all did their research. So I challenge you to continue your search. But continue your search with integrity and honesty. And examine the evidence of Jesus Christ. And we've been presented this sacred day with these four accounts of what happened on that early Sunday morning. When Jesus' body was missing from the tomb. And in all those accounts there were skeptical people who went to the grave expecting him to still be dead. And wondering what happened to his dead body. None of them were expecting to see a resurrected Christ. And it blows my mind. He goes, he told you. And it's easy for us to stand in judgment of them. But I would have missed it too. Wouldn't have you? Because dead people don't rise. Except when it's Jesus. And that same transformation happened to them. When they encountered and found Jesus. And Jesus says, come on. Touch my hands. Touch my feet. Touch my side. He ate a piece of fish in front of them. It was a different body, but it was him alive. And when they did, their lives were never the same. Think about it. We are sitting here today because they went out and told that story. And that story has been being told and told and told. And I think about the passion that we heard read today in a different language. And man, I want to thank you all because they had to learn somebody else's language. That shows me that they had a passion for telling that story to other people. You had to learn their language. And it was worth it to you to get them that message. So I'm so grateful for that. And that's what Jesus said. Go into all the world, right? Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
And that's being done. We're sitting here because that was done. But that same transformation that happened in the first century can happen for us today in the 21st century. If you're still not convinced, I pray that you will continue that journey. But again, do it with integrity. Do it with sincerity to find the hope that so many have found in this day today. And maybe today there's somebody here that's come to the end of their journey and knows they need to make that confession. They need to make that commitment. And name Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we want to give that opportunity this morning. Now, I know we've got a tomb here represented that it's, it's, it's empty. And there's a baptistry behind it. Well, how are we going to see anybody? Well, we had a great couple of designers. Fred and Blake designed this so this thing will spread right apart and we can baptize somebody. So we have that, want to offer that opportunity today. If you, for the first time, need to name Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to offer that opportunity. But we're also going to offer an opportunity for maybe you to join and be a part of our church family here. And y'all, we are not a place where everybody has it together. I can promise you none of us do. That's why we need to be together as a church, don't we? We need to come together to a place where we can together be encouraged, be equipped, and be challenged to follow Jesus in every aspect of our life. Every aspect. And that's what the church is supposed to do. Bring us together to encourage us, to challenge us, and equip us to to be followers of Jesus in every aspect of our life. So we offer that opportunity as well. So our praise team here today is going to lead us in a song. And if you um, have a decision you need to make today, I'm going to try to walk you through. So I'm going to ask you to stand at this time. And we're also going to prepare our hearts for communion. If you are here today for the first time and maybe you're not used to taking communion and you're wondering about that, if you were a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to be a part of taking communion with us. You don't have to be a member of our church. If you didn't get one of those little packs out in the lobby, you can sneak out during this next song and go get you one and, and come back in. But we're going to also remember Jesus' death the way he asked us to remember in the sacrament of communion a little bit later. So this team's going to lead us and let's prepare our hearts for communion. But if you have a